Welcome to New Type Flash. This is a podcast where every other week we come to you with Gundam Universal Century in a more or less chronological order. This week we are coming to you with uh, Gundam Zeta episodes 11 through 13 and Evolve episode 13. We have with us this week Scotty P. I just want to know what this Transformers Prime 10th anniversary figure is. War Breakdown Viacon. That's like two things, but it's one toy. What's it going to be? I don't know. Wait, this is shit. This is the Gundam show. Whoops. And Luke. Yeah, I, I don't even I don't even know what we're talking about now. I didn't mess it up this week. Yeah? Now you this, did. This is the first time in, in a while that I haven't messed it up. We're doing, but, we're doing good so far. Why Evolve 13, Wayne? Um, will we get to that part? We will yeah. get to that. I mean, it's it's part of uh, episode 12 in a way, I think. 12, right? Yeah. Uh, 11. It's like the end of 11. Nice. 11 or... I don't yeah, know. One of those. We'll get, we'll, we will get into all of that and see where it goes. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It, it kind of butts up to uh, end of 11 and, and 12. It's like a bridge. Yeah. It's an alternate viewing of the last few minutes. Um, all right. So starting off with uh, Zeta episode 11, entering the atmosphere. Uh, we see Sirako walking around his ship, the Hario. Um, he's talking about he want, how he wants to attack the Ayug and um, and who they think they think the Ayug is getting ready to go to the Earth based off of like where the fleet's heading and everything along those lines. Um, and we learn that Sirako is returning from Jupiter, from the Jupiteris in specific. Um, yeah. That's how it is. Jupiter Energy Fleet, which is maybe barely mentioned in passing in Mobile Suit Gundam. As what, where... A bunch of times, though, like randomly. Yeah. yeah. They, did, they, did they talk about like what they did or what they were doing at all, or did they just keep referencing Jupiter? They're like, they like, they're like, it's like a helium reserve area. Like they, like they go and just get tons of helium and bring it back as like mm -hmm. a fuel supply. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's helium three that they're getting, and they're bringing that back, and they're very important because that's what ends up getting used to power all of Xeon suits, and it kind of helps give them a wartime supply line. And you know, it's they're kind of a big deal. They're kind of a big deal. But anyway, and and just as like random knowledge, Axis was actually meant to be the midpoint like stopping station for the Jupiter fleet. So basically you'd go from the Earth sphere to Axis and then on to Jupiter and then back uh, in the reverse. Yeah. So I, I think Gundam kind of plays fast and loose with the actual time it would take to get from one place to another in this case. Maybe it doesn't, but a journey out to somewhere like Mars is usually years long. They seem to be pretty good about the moon making it that whatever it is three yeah days, uh, to get to mars and then beyond is a very long time yeah and yeah. it seems that there's often some technology used to kind of play with like well yeah but this stuff can go faster and it's made hyperspace yeah so when shars deleted affair and again this is you know whatever type of canon you want to take it as um axis which it never they never said it was like the exact midway point but um, it took anywhere from six to 10 months uh, of travel from the Earth sphere, 
uh, I think there was like one journey where they, they super souped up a ship and got it in like three or four months. But um, normally if you were taking like an entire fleet, it took the better part of a year. Yeah. And we do see this a little bit in Zeta because they mentioned, I think it was um, a couple episodes ago from where we are now and what we're talking about right now. They mentioned seeing that nuclear pulse from the asteroid belt, but then Axis doesn't show up as a thing till near the end of the series. And there's a decent gap of time there. So in that case, yeah, I I think that timetable kind of works out. But the other thing that we um, uh, learn is that he, his mobile suits called the Masala. And now the Masala, it's a fortified wine made in Sicily. Um, Usually you'd use that in like a caramelized sauce, something like that. Um, And that's, if you use it wrong, that's when it has, it transforms into mobile armor mode. So you're sitting there trying to make a nice dinner and they're like, shit, Jupiter mobile armor. I knew it. <laughs> it's least, for me a little bit what's, there the, for a what's the flavor profile? <laughs> a nutty. nutty. Yeah. Uh, you know, I like it. Um, <laughs> maybe, a little, maybe a little fishy. <laughs> oh man, we're going to, we're going to get back into the, uh, the, the Kelly Lazner talk again, aren't we? Oh, Talking God. about Paptimus, man. <laughs> uh, well, let's 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 move Spikes. away from Sirocco for a minute. Um, we get to go back to one. Quick, um, what's that? One quick note: the helium three thing. I looked it up, and Minovsky particles are actually generated as a byproduct of the production of um, helium three reaction. So, like, uh-huh. they're doing something in a reactor with helium three, and that generates the Minovsky particles, and that's how they that's how they get Minovsky particles. Now we know how to make Gundams. Or at least the engines. Yeah. At least the fuel. <laughs> so uh, back on the uh, the Ayug side, we see Fa serving food to people because she wants to be uh, useful. Um, and we see a Haro call Camille Amaro. Um, so not only is Char mistaking Camille for Amaro, uh, Haro is too. And uh, Bright has been basically installed as... Amaro. What's that? He's basically just a worse Amaro. <laughs> That's true. Um, so Bright has been installed as the new captain of the Arima at this point. Um, so he is, I guess, officially this uh, left the uh, Federation and now an AU officer. Yep. And now he also, Bright explains to us why the Haro calls Camille Amaro. So does he explain it or does he just explain it away? Yes. One of the two. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, so he says bright, bright says the Haro and bright, bright and Amaro's names are programmed into the Haro's. But there's, there's been so many hints that this Haro's was actually Amaro's or at least they've said it. Yeah. And I, I think, thematically okay whatever it can be like i don't have yeah. a problem with that but there was at one point and i man i remember reading this somewhere in the 90s like the late 90s so it could have been completely washed away from canon but at some point i feel like the story was one of the things that amaro did in his downtime in cheyenne was make a mass-produced toy haro and yeah. made a shitload of money off of it. Hmm. That would be interesting to, to like see if we could find that again. So if anybody hears this and, and has that knowledge, pass it on to us so we can know, uh, hopefully canonically, what's yeah. going on there. Yeah, I don't know <laughs> if that's real or if it was 
late nineties internet message board bullshit. Yeah. I mean, they just hint so hard, um, especially when Camille gets it, that it's the real Haro. But again, who knows? And at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter that much. Um, yeah, so Fa is um, worried uh, about Bright's family on Earth and that they'll be taken hostage now that he's with Ayug. And uh, Bright kind of plays it off at first, but you will see later that he actually isn't just like dropped it. Um, so we're back with the Ayug side of things. We are seeing Jared and Kakrakon, and they have decided they are going to intercept the Aug as they begin to re-enter the Earth sphere. So, like, they're testing out their balutes and all of that stuff, and, um, yeah, they're, they're going to do a, a mid-re-entry interception. Um, I thought this they was- want to attack. Okay, hey, Luke. Oh, no. So I thought this was just pretty interesting because they never really. Um, there are instances where they make a, d- a big deal about the reentry, but um, this whole sequence of them like dropping in in mobile suits, like we've never really like focused on it super heavily. And I thought it was pretty interesting, like all of the technology that went into it and how big a deal it was. I liked that they actually focused on it for this episode. Yeah. This always was not a big deal to me that they focus on it because being introduced to Gundam via Gundam Wing. Like the very first episode of that show, the Oz pilots are shocked that a single mobile suit can make re-entry. And that being like the first episode of Gundam you ever see, it's just like, oh, okay. Like to see it brought up later in other shows. Well, in this case, it's I, it was brought up earlier, but I had no idea. Um, like I always just took this as a, yeah, that's just something they do in Gundam is re-entry matters. <clears throat> yeah, see, but in the, in the original series, I think they made a point of like several times, like don't get too close. Or and I think in other series too, I think uh, G Gun uh, G Rico they they brought it up a couple times, like don't get too close, or you'll get sucked into like the gravity well or whatever, um, and you won't be able to get back out and you'll die. Yeah, well, in the in the full length series, the Gundam, you know, it does that thing with the shield where it's then able to survive. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, G Gundam doesn't they don't. That he uses the ring ropes around the earth at one point to launch himself in like a parabolic path across the globe with his Gundam. So I don't think it's too worried about the science of the country. Yeah, it, it seems like they care about it when they need to care about it for like plot points. And otherwise they kind of just kind of... Gundanium alloy can survive anything in the right circumstance. We won't... We, no one really ever went into what circumstance that is. So... <laughs> It's three o'clock. <laughs> like why? Why did? Why did it matter at the end of Rerise suddenly that it took a lot of effort to leave the planet's gravity for plot and dramatic tension? Yeah, and the rest you fill in the details. We needed to fill all two and a half minutes of time. <laughs> um, so uh, we learned that Bright has gotten married to Mirai from OG Gundam and has two children. Um, and they're on Earth, so we knew that Bright had a family, but now we know that it's Mirai and, um, well, I, they don't say the names of the kids yet, but, I mean, one of them's Hathaway, or is, she, yeah, Hathaway, and who, who's the daughter? Nugget. Nugget. It's not Nugget. 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 <laughs> it is not Nugget. <laughs> I was going to say, maybe that's why I never remembered the name. No, I actually don't know off the top of my head. 
Ugh, okay, well, let's go with Nugget. Um, <laughs> um, God, I'm not, I, I have to look now. I can't. I can't just leave it at Nugget. <laughs> so while Luke uh, looks in your head, that that's what it really is. So you should look up the real answer. Chimen? Yeah. Chimen? 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 I, I, it's, it's spelled. It's a. It's C H E I M I N. Chimen. Chimen. C H M I what? C H E I M I N. Huh. Chimen. Let's yeah. yeah. Let's. Let's just call her not Hathaway. Yeah, that seems you know, like a nugget. <laughs> nugget. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, so, Emmachine has been tagged as the person who is going to lead the Jabiro invasion. Um, and at this point, Blex also leaves the Argama. Um, did it say what ship he went to, or was it just like rando ship? Uh. Well, Henkin and and him are leaving, and they're going to the moon. But it doesn't say what ship they're going on just yet. Something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and But Henkin does make it a point to stop and flirt with Emma on the way out. Poorly, but he does. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's Heeman. I looked it up. It's Heeman. It's, it's not any better. What a terrible name. It's Let's not, go with Nugget. Her name is now Nugget. It's Nugget, yeah. Yep. <laughs> go go make an edit on the uh, Gundam wiki. <laughs> I you know I'm on it right now. I might. <laughs> uh, and we can just sort source this episode as as the uh... <laughs> source ourselves as the source for the <laughs> source. <laughs> My brain, jackass. Tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> There's gonna be some admin sitting there, like alert, new uh, wiki article created. Nugget, no. <laughs> what is this? It's in Zeta. You didn't know. <laughs> Account banned. Oh man, that's good stuff. That is good stuff. So. There's a, a that that bo- bosun's call happens a couple more times like during these scenes, but what is different in these is whereas before everyone got real quiet, here they people hear it and they start doing stuff, but they just keep talking. So like yeah, they, I guess they aren't really military. Like they have a little bit of the discipline, but not not too much. Um. So, uh, Sirocco is wanting to also launch and intercept. Um, the AU uh, descent to Earth, um, but he doesn't want anybody else to uh, launch because he and his Masala are enough. Um, and it's important to note here that um, Shiraco is with a different fleet or group of ships than Jared and Capricorn right now. Um, so they're not really coordinating, even though they're kind of in the same area. So... Um, uh, Soraku launching on his own is completely different and unrelated uh, to Sheridan sure. Kakrakon, even though you don't really know because they don't give you a whole bunch of context, like where yeah, anybody is. showed up there. Is what yeah. Like. Yeah. The, uh, the other thing on that scene, you get introduced to, I mean, low-key introduced. Like, you don't actually get introduced. They just throw it out there. Um, but you get introduced to the MS-11 action Zaku, which I don't think goes by the MS-11 moniker here. That would be the Xeon designation. Uh, but these are Federation units that are built based on the original Xeon 
action Zaku design because the original one did not see much use, if any. I think it's a little bit. We saw it in um, uh, Thoroughbred a little bit. Somebody had one. And okay. I think that was about all. Uh, but the the lore for the Federation version is that when they were doing their cleanup operations and recaptured the asteroid Pezun, they would have gotten the designs. And this is something that they developed based on those designs. But it's basically the same the same thing. It's just it's another Zaku. They I feel like the dialogue interchanges that with Hyzak sometimes it really doesn't matter. They're the Federation grunt suits that look like Zaku's, but these yeah. are blue. <laughs> yes, blue and a little bit of purple, purple depending on which version you're yeah. watching. Yeah, and I, I want to say there's something else in that hangar background, but I don't know if they show up. I, I didn't even notice the Zaku's, honestly. Um, yeah, so despite what I had mentioned before, where Bright was kind of playing down his family being on Earth, he does kind of take uh, Quattro or Char to the side and say, hey, uh, while you're down there, can you please save my family? Because, <laughs> um, yeah, they're they're located near Jaburo. I think I think they were at Jaburo for a while, I think was the implication, right? I think, Maybe. I think he says that they're still in Jaburo. Yeah. If, he says if they're still in Jaburo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the assumption was that they were evacuating and they knew that they were evacuating, right? Or not? Uh, no, they didn't have the intel that they were evacuating, but um, he made it sound like they might know not to be around everything. Like, I, I don't know. They were, he was like vaguely saying stuff. Yeah. He is asking, he is asking Shar to look for them mm. with the intention that he would then take them with them. Yeah. And protect them because he, he doesn't know about Jabro being um, evacuated and replaced mm. because he's not in good graces now with Basque and the Titans. And he's also worried about their safety for the exact same reason. Yeah. Right. Because we've seen that Basque is a totally nice guy that would never have <laughs> someone's family. Yep. Yeah, boss would never do that. Yeah, and and then you go from the serious thing of saving his family to Fawn Camille having uh, a stupid fight about his parents dying and other stupid stuff. I really don't have too much note on that other than I was annoyed by watching that fight. <laughs> well, so yeah, earlier in the episode when they introduced Bright, Camille is a dick to Fa, and I put that down as Camille is a dick to Fa time number 40,000. My only note on this is that Camille is a dick to Fa instance 40,000 plus one. Yeah. Yeah. He's a dick. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, I don't think, I don't know at what point you stop hating Camille, but it's not here. Double Zeta. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I was going to say, you never really stop hating Camille. It's just, you feel bad for him eventually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so Emma, Shar, and the others, uh, launch towards earth in their mobile suits. Um, at this point, Sirocco launches as well, and he's not far behind them. Um, and he, uh, on his way to, to intercept with them, he attacks and blows up a cruiser. And I think it was named the Cecilia. Um, it, again, it was one of those, like one of the other episodes, we get a named cruiser 
uh, for about three seconds, just so it has like a name and face to it. I'm sure they're planning, you know, side content on that. I told you about the wine. Anyway, yeah. Uh, now the Mark II has its flying armor here, though. Oh, the 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 plane looking thing, the yeah. glider. Yeah, it's like yeah. a it's like a glider or something. Yeah, it's not quite the you know glider slash backpack thing that comes in later, but it's sort of a precursor to that. And we'll see him. You know, he's going to use that during this operation, and and then when they hit Earth, and then uh, you also see some Nemo's in the background, which I think there are some of those on the Moon as well, but. Those are the pale green and blue suits that are basically slightly nicer GMs. They're kind of precursors to your just or not the, uh, the Jagan, um, which is that that pale green's kind of your connection. Uh, which that's an interesting like MS evolution chart to look up if you ever get bored. Well, I think we had a conversation in the in the last Zeta episode where like you, Nemo plus something is like the baby of a Jagan or something. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Anyway, when two robots love each other, yeah. Uh, the, other, the other fun part of this scene, and this is, uh, I'm not going to get into the, uh, the movie stuff, you know, seriously for a bit here, but when they're analyzing the Masala on the Argama, um, on the screen, it shows a picture of the Zacrello, probably just like, they found some filler footage and just threw that in there. <laughs> Oddly, the movie does not change that. <laughs> Interesting. The scene, the, the movie where they redid a whole scene for it, that was like three seconds long just to replace a floppy disk. They don't <laughs> correct. They don't, that. They don't cor yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So, yeah. So at this point, they're they're in a formation. They're going to enter Earth's atmosphere in formation and and land into Jabro, but um, Emma breaks formation and ruins everything. Um, yes, yeah, she is a, a very effective leader. Uh, they send Camille to get her back and uh, take on the Masala because they're basically like, "Hey, Camille, your position and the, the formation doesn't really matter. Go get her and send her back. She needs to be in position." Um, but she refuses to withdraw, so Shar basically takes over and rearranges the attack formation so he can go back and fight with the Masala too. So at this point, we have uh, Emma, Camille, and Shar all leaving the formation to uh, combat Sirocco. Um, now there's a... Eventually, you know, Bright gives this direct order to get back to the ship. And he does like a through the phone or calm bright slap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He He's does. like, you need to get back here for disciplinary action. And when he's saying disciplinary action, he's like moving his hand, you know, from the right to left in a slapping motion. Re yeah. Slap. Yeah. Um, so in in this battle, they're having a lot of problems with it because the Masala transforms into the mobile suit configuration and scares the shit out of Emma. And then it like turns back into the mobile armor form, form and just starts dogfighting. It's so, like they're, they're having so much trouble fighting with it. Because keep in mind, this is like a prototype mobile suit, mobile armor. Um, and uh, probably the Yakushiki is the most advanced mobile suit on here but even the yakushiki is 
kind of just a conglomeration of a lot of like old suit parts with some of the uh, early tech of the Zeta Gundam in it. Um, so, and then the Mark II is just a souped up GM basically. Uh, so yeah, they're like slightly nice ships or uh, suits, but they're not not enough to deal with mm-hmm. what Sirocco's throwing at them. Well, and Sirocco's just kind of kicking their ass anyway. Yeah, yeah. Like it's partially the suit, but it's also meant to show that like, he's a okay, badass. Yeah, this is some weird guy from Jupiter, the Federation hired to go kick the AU's ass, and he is capable of it. Yep, yep. Um, at this point, Jared's group starts uh, firing on them as they are firing on the uh, group that is entering the Earth's atmosphere. Um, and they're all kind of like slowly going into the Earth's atmosphere at this point, including Sirocco and Char and Camille and all of them. Um, and then Sirocco's like, nah, fuck this. Um, I don't want my soul to get dragged into Earth's gravity. I'm, I'm heading back into space. So he launches back out and basically withdraws from the fight. Um, and everybody starts descending into Earth. Um, Emma is still like terrible at following orders. She's got a damaged suit and she's like falling into Earth's atmosphere. Um, Char has to come up and basically pull her away from the battle and Bright tells her to come back. And this is where Scotty mentioned that he's like, he's come back so I can correct you, woman. And um, yeah. Uh, so during the, the descent, Jared is forced to de- deploy his balut. And Kakakon is just holding off as long as he can uh, until it automatically deploys. So like Camille, like we talked earlier, is in his new armor, which is like just giant, basically like, you know, B-52 bomber looking shield, like space sled type thing. So he's able to like actually move around a little bit more and shoot people that are descending. Um, Well, so this is important. He shoots one enemy unit and then sees the its value get destroyed and the suit burn up. And then Camille's like, that was kind of fucked up. I'm not going to do that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> well, in that the one suit he does that to is Kakrakon. No, it's not. He shoots Kakrakon. No, no, he doesn't. What? He shoots a rando, unnamed nobody. And what happens is... Kakrakon, so Camille's basically already done that and just kind of committed at this point to re-entry. But Kakrakon's trying to be a hot shot and he, because his value automatically deploys, he's too close yeah, to he was, Mark II. Yeah, he was trying to, to just kind of roll with it and then it auto-deployed and he wasn't expecting it to auto-deploy. Yep, and because he was too close to Camille, the flying armor slices the value. Uh-huh. Yeah, the, I I totally missed that. I, I I had I guess was writing Camille makes my some notes off- during the the three seconds that this happened. Camille makes some like offhanded comment too, like if you hadn't have flown so close, you wouldn't have died. Yeah, it's well, it's I know as cheesy as it as that line is, it's like ends up being this thematic thing in Zeta, and Camille points it out on the nose, you know. If you get close to me, bad things happen to you. And oh, yeah, yeah. Sure. and we we see flashes of Capricorn's um, Earth hookup 
as as he dies. So this seems to be like a, a theme with people that uh, that Camille kills. Like they have side chicks on Earth, and they kind of like his dad, him. <laughs> um, well, he didn't kill his dad, but I mean, you know, what I'm saying like people that are involved with Camille, like he kills them, but it's because they're being sleazy. Well, and and remember now, and this was even in Tamino's wonderfully progressive treatment uh, for the show. <laughs> uh, this is Zeta is partially a show about women. Now, whether the ideas Tomino gives us about women and their role in a future space war society are, you know, good is you know, something we can talk about. But that is part of what this show is about. So yeah. that's why he brings it up because here is someone that we've gotten to know a little bit, not super great, but you know, by name, it's Jared's buddy. He's one of the Titans. He's supposed to be a good pilot. He's not that good, but, uh, and, and it's just an above average officer pilot person. Yeah, he's, yeah. I mean, he's able to give them, you know, a, a hard time. Right. So anyhow, it's just another way of humanizing the character by saying, yeah, and this is the, the woman that is associated with Kakarcon. Yeah. Amelia! Amelia! It's very um, re-zero. Spelled <laughs> a little different, but... Yeah. All right. Evolve for 13. Takes place during this descent. Um, I, I somehow lost all of my notes on it, so I'm not going to get into it too much. I'll let Scotty cover it for the most part. But it basically is... Uh, it follows this pilot named Jonathan... Um, during this descent into earth battle um as he has like flashbacks to and daddy issues the entire time it's it's a pretty cool like 3d scene yeah yeah this is one of the later evolve episodes so the cgi is i mean look it's still very dated it's but it's 2005 lot, i think yeah i mean it's it's a lot better than the really early episodes yes yeah, yeah. deep into ps2 territory here <laughs> yeah. yeah and um yeah this is just following another titan soldier um during that ending sequence of episode 11 the episode itself was just called rms 108 marasai because it's just a basically a tech demo for the marasai yep and he is all basically trying to do with the same thing kakrakon is doing but he is much further away and so his value auto deploys uh, but he ends up being okay uh, because he's not right on top of Camille. But, you know, you can see all that stuff going on with that. And it's just another angle of it. And while he's in that blackout, you know, you they actually define who Jonathan is here. Sorry, Jonathan is anyway. Um, and it's just this little, like, video card from his dad. You learn that his dad runs some company and he left it out of spite and he's like being emo about it, like rebellious teen phase. But this message from his dad is basically, Hey, uh, Jabra is going to be blown up in a nuclear blast. You want to get the hell away from there. So if you watch it very strictly chronologically, this would be the first you see that. I don't think anybody would actually watch this episode right here, except for, you know, me doing my fourth rewatch of this damn show. <laughs> um, and so, right um, now, there is a part of it, though, is <laughs> he's he, he's 
kind of still in the process of re-entry a little further into it where it looks more like they're closer to earth than space and he keeps shooting these descending gms and the the message from his dad is like skipping it goes total like crappy techno remix yeah 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 yeah. um so like yeah like his his eight track is like skipping a lot yeah yeah (laughs) but basically what ends up happening is as he's being emo and murdering people and GMs and all of that, he ends up, you know, still like fighting them and he loses an arm. And then he's going to like try to punch through some enemies anyway. His suit's really damaged and basically his suit blows up, but he ejects his ejection throws him way off course from Jabro. And then you end up seeing him on top of this ejection capsule, um, you know, somewhere that's clearly still like South America, but yeah, he's like in the, the river area where, um, Rekoa and Kai met up is kind of like the vibe I got. Yeah. And then you learn that the lesson that he learned is one that we all already knew, which is that the Ayug's name is kind of dumb. <laughs> yeah. He's like anti-earth, huh? Huh? But they're okay. fighting for earth. And, but I'm on the Federation and they just blew the snook and the snooze. <laughs> so yeah yeah it was cool it was a pretty thing to watch 3d animated uh marisai the depth that you don't need but whatever for all i know he's actually no i did try to look this up i i had assumed that this was just like some cameo of someone from one of the mangas or something and man, no this guy's mm, just yeah. this episode yep that's pretty much it Yep. All right. On to episode 12, The Winds of Jaburo. Uh, so when we start this episode, they are actually still entering the Earth's atmosphere. So we're rewinding uh, chronologically just a few minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and Camille is just like not on board with this battle because he thinks it's so one-sided. He's basically like, I'm just shooting people down left and right. Like, these guys suck. <laughs> um, Zaku-tank. What's that? Zaku-tank. Do we see a Zaku tank? Oh yeah, man. They got Zaku tanks. That's how you know they're screwed. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I do Nobody have- Nobody has a good time in a Zaku tank. No. Yeah. Um, That's so, the most recent volume of Thunderbolt. Ain't nobody having a good time. So Jabiro is now, as, as we learn, run by the Titans instead of the Federation. We had kind of already known this, but this is, they, they make this very explicit in the show. Um, and we learned that Kai and Rekola are still at Jabiro. And they're worried that the AU will attack because they don't know that they're at the base. So they're like, ah, well, our people are going to kill us. Um, so we get a cool scene where Camille is like surfing on his armor. It's it's pretty legit. It, it actually reminds me of um, some of those episodes that or that part in uh, Thunderbolt where the was it? It's not the Act guys. I can't remember which ones. Well, the at guys are there. It's when they're chasing the at guys. It's like the GM, like water types or whatever. And the manga are like surfing and chasing that. It's, it's a pretty cool scene. Um, reminds me of that a lot. So he's like surfing down this river. Look, surfing robots is, it, it's hard to do wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's just like taking people out left and right. And again, he's saying anybody that attacks me is dumb. They should know that they're going to die. Um, Oh, and, but, but he also stomps on a monkey. 
Oh, yeah. That upset me a bit. <laughs> no, he didn't step on a monkey. Jared stepped yeah. on a monkey. No, he he doesn't. Okay, my bad. He accidentally kills a monkey, and then Jared kills the other one. Oh, okay. Okay. There's yeah. like a monkey looking at like a pile of blood and monkey limbs under a tree. And I was like, great. Wonderful. Now I'm going to have nightmares. Uh, yeah. And then Jared kills the monkey and, and Camille gets pissed off. Um, I wonder if those are accurate monkeys for the Amazon. Who knows? Somebody does. <laughs> Somebody knows. <laughs> Somebody's got a blog post about this. Um, yeah. So, um, Camille finally is able to meet up with everyone and begin uh, invading Jaburo. Um, at, at this point, Char is pretty pretty convinced that the base has probably been abandoned. Um, and Jared is being Jared, and he's like, I'm going to keep the space noids out of Earth. Jared sucks. Um, Jared does suck. Jared sucks. Uh, so the Titans... Jared. Jared is well-meaning. He's just, he's so far in over his head and he doesn't even know. And Jared, he can, yeah. he's a dumb jock. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the Titan, we, the Titans have been moving out of Jaburo for days. We learn. Um, and then uh, we hear, <laughs> we kind of get a, a, a mention from Char cause he's seeing like, Camille doing well and, and learning and everything like that. And he's like, ah, Mr. Wong's corrections may have actually worked for Camille. <laughs> so he's like, hmm. I, I thought that was kind of funny. He's like, I beat the shit out of him and it worked. No, the actual, I, I did enjoy that part. The actual important thing that he says. Uh, so remember that part of Zeta is that we're going back through Char's greatest hits of failure and see if he can do better. And so here we are on another stop where one of his greatest failures of mobile suit Gundam occurred, which was he got his ass handed to him at Jabro. Yep. And he mentions that something is up because the defenses are too light and he would know because yep. they're having way too easy of a time. And yeah, he's in an advanced mobile suit, but um, as we'll get to, they're not really tuned for earth yet. And yeah. no, Hakushiki's not that advanced. It's just a, it's a prototype. Yeah. Yep. And, and in the middle of all of this, um, Camille senses Rekua's presence. So he has like a little new type flash with Rekua. Um, they are able to get, in, get a Federation pilot hostage. Um, and they claim that the base is going to be blown up with a nuclear bomb. Um, Appley does not believe the Federation officer. Um, but yeah, I, that, that's what it, they learned at this point. Um, and then we see Camille and Jared just brawling. Um, this kind of reminds me of the Char and Amaro fight in, in here. It's very, very similar in a lot of ways. Yeah. It's supposed to. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, like you were saying, this is, you know, Jabro part two for Char except he's not in the battles that matter. <laughs> it's just a parallel. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, so Camille is basically pushed and knocked into a pit um, or over a pit, and they shoot each other's bullets and they resonate and 
get a big explosion. Um, Jared's suit gets ruined, um, and Camille gets blown away, but he's otherwise okay. Uh, he's like, I don't care about that guy anymore, or he assumes he's dead. Uh, and he goes off to find Rekola. Um, which is really weird because you would think with the fact that he can de to detect Rekola's presence, and he knows who Jared is. He knows that Jared, you know, killed his mom, killed his dad. Um, you would think he would try to be more honed in to Jared just so he could like kill him, but I guess that's inconvenient for the plot. <laughs> yeah, well, and he's not. He doesn't have a good handle on yeah on this stuff yet. Well, he. I mean, he didn't really know Rekoa that well. That's where I actually like what they do in the movie with them being a little bit uncomfortably touchy feely in that one scene, because yeah, the show I don't think does a good job establishing that. Like you get a little bit of when she's leaving Camille going like, Oh, I want to go see her off like a really immature version of a crush, yeah. you know, but like, that's about all. Yeah. So the, I actually appreciate that. One of the things that is done well in the movie as compared to this one of the few is that relationship before this. Yeah. I mean, cause it, cause again, to me, like I would assume based off the way Camille acts and his maturity and everything like that, he would be more uh, intent on getting revenge of Jared and then maybe finding, finding Rekha. But again, plot's going to plot. Um, so Apple is unable to find Bright's family. Um, and Shar and his group are all going to retreat while taking some of the Federation people hostages with them. Now that the, it's con they confirm though once Shar gets there that yes there is there's a nuke and the the key point here is they would they have half an hour and they would try to go disarm it but they've buried this thing a hundred meters or hundred some fifty or something like that. Yeah, and yeah, they, they, they they like disconnected it or something like that. So there's like no remote like remote control or anything like that already there. Yeah, because Apple actually wanted to leave the Federation people behind, I think, is what he had said. He basically was like, yeah, fuck well, you. Yeah, and then I think Char was like, uh, I don't care if you live or die, but hostages are great. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Char also goes... Do, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Those nukes do get unburied eventually. Oh, yeah. Eventually. it Way, 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 way later. You mean when it blows up? Oh no! There are more. Oh, uh, okay. I will. I, I mean, nukes. No, nukes are a violation of the Antarctic Treaty. I know. Yeah, Captain Zeon's very disappointed by this, but I, uh, <laughs> I will forget. I made that tease. You know, uh, never from now when we do turn a Gundam. But. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yep. So Shar also heads out to look for Rekoa. Um, while everybody else uh, prepares to get out of the blast zone. Um, so this, like, just imagine we're uh, in a countdown mode at this point. Um, so at this point, we learned that Rekoa is also a new type, most likely. She senses Camille. Um, and Kai, Kai, though, he, he, you see, get a little projection of him. Yeah, as part of the flash, right? Yeah, when they're doing like the overlay of them. Mm. So, just saying, Lane hates Kai, so he's not going to give him credit for anything. I no, I don't hate Kai. It's just he's he's much less interesting. Like he's he's like one of those characters that that they can like fill in whenever it's like, oh man, 
we need to get these characters some information, but we don't have a good way to do it. All right, let's bring in Kai. <laughs> hey, 0083 Rebellion, just in its most recent chapter. Well, maybe not anymore, but at least in the most recent one that is in a uh, tank volume, uh, has, has Kai making a cameo at the end. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't dislike him. I mean, and I, I, I did dislike him in the original series. He, he was kind of a douche nozzle. Um, but in this, he's just, he's just not very well drawn out to me. Um, he's more of just like an information broker. Uh, yeah. So uh, Camille is digging around and he, he does eventually dig and find Camille or Reko and Kai. Um, right as he does that, Char shows up and they start to leave. Um, we see, we got a quick scene where, um, basically there is a, uh, what is it? A Federation plane that's getting ready to take off. Um, and there's just like a mass of people trying to get on board the cargo plane, but it's packed to the, to the brim and, and Jared does Jared and just like pushes everybody away so he can be the last person to get on the plane as it takes off. Um, the dichotomy of Jared here that we see after the Marsai blows up, he sees these injured dudes with a Jeep and he's all being helpful and stuff. And they're, they're telling him, Oh yeah, we got to get out and get on the transport. But then as soon as he gets to this transport, that is implied to be the last one out. Jared goes, well, Guess it's uh, I guess it's survival time. Fuck you guys. Bye. Yep. Yeah, he's, he's, he's like, I don't know what you're gonna do later. <laughs> punches his way through this mob. He's oh, like, yeah. really climbing over people and like kicking his boot off, trying to get up there. And and it's not surprising because Jared. Yeah, and you know what he said? I actually wrote made a note of this. Jared's like, if you're weak, you won't survive. <laughs> that yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right, and then at the end, some green haired chick. Helps him get in there, get in the, get in the plane. Yeah, get in there. Um, so the Aug ship is taking off um, as a group of hijacks attack. Um, Char and Camille manage to get onto the plane and, and hand off uh, Reko and Kai, um, and then they start having to fend these suits off um, from the plane while before the nuke goes off. Um, they managed to. Uh, nuclear weapons are a violation of the Antarctic Treaty. Just wanted to bring that up again. Like, it's so, so I was watching another show recently, and uh, uh, mechanical armors uh, are a violation uh, of the Alaska Treaty if used in wartime situations. So, what about uh, peacetime situations? I had, uh, <laughs> I had some flashbacks uh, a little bit. I'm not really sure why. um yeah so so uh everybody's on on the ship on the plane now um and kai is basically like oh i know who this quattro bagina guy is i know who he is um what's that instantly yeah um and then uh we get a quick at the very end of episode 12 we get a quick flash of Hayato Kobayashi, who is now with Karaba, flying alongside the AU plane. Um, and and we hadn't, I think this is the first time we actually hear about Karaba, and they don't ever really do a good job of explaining what Karaba is. I think in episode, what is it, 14, um, 
starts explaining Karaba to Amaro, which we'll get to eventually. But uh, yeah, he, he has like they specifically explain. Don't you know what Karaba is? And then he explains it. I mean, it's basically yeah. the Earth version of Ayug. Well, they they give a very quick summation of it in that scene with Wong and them in the back of the McDonald's. Um, like they mentioned that they're. They've, or maybe it's not that scene, but at some point they mention that once they're on Earth, they have to give their mobile suits to Karaba, and that's yeah. about all. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I think we've heard the name before, but again, now that we're slowly starting to interact more with those people, um, it's going to be relevant who they are, even though the story never really says who they are. Like, if, I don't think they ever do a good enough job. It's look, it is the Earth division of the AUG. Yeah. So what's Londo Bell? <laughs> episode 13 shuttle launch um so we actually start off in this these, episode these episode names are going they, they're like bad and good and bad like it, it was like re-entering the atmosphere the winds of change shuttle launch <laughs> the winds of jabbero whatever the winds whatever. of jabbero still better than <laughs> shuttle launch i agree no, oh, yeah, they, 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 they keep alternating. You're right. Because then we have Amaro flies again. Like, well, that sounds neat. Then the next episode, Katz's sortie. Don't care. Then the next one, through the haze of darkness. Whoa, what's going to happen? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It, I, I would say it's just like they have like a one set of translators translate one set of, of titles yeah. and another one. But no, it's it's the Japanese too. <laughs> so, so we have one, Mirai Captured. Wonder what that one's about. The Heated Escape. <laughs> Shiraco. Moon Attack. <laughs> it's like, is that this series or Mobile Suit Gundam where one of the episode titles is just like blank dies? Like whoever the important character is that, that episode is like that's the name of the episode i, I think uh, i think that was the first season uh first uh, series rather <laughs> all right shuttle launch <laughs> um so we start off with uh jamatov and basque uh they are at grips to observe the titan operations so the last time we saw basque he was like i'm going to grips and you know he got on a shuttle and now he's at grips. <laughs> <laughs> so he's true to his word, at least in that aspect. Um, and we learned that grips is actually being moved to Luna two. Uh, and I think we learned at this point that there's two grips as well. Um, grips one and grips two. Well, we right. knew that. Yeah. We, just, okay. Yeah. They at least. It, it, it's that part of all the like vaguely poorly explained stuff that we did when we started talking about Zeta. Yeah. Look, there's two colonies. They're moving them towards Luna too. Yeah. Okay, yeah. But I think they again. Some of the stuff that you, they mention it, we've talked about. They mention it once, and it's not important until like 20 episodes later. So, reiterating, there's more than one groups. <laughs> yeah, they're being moved. They're being moved. Welcome to Zeta Gundam. Good luck. <laughs> um. Uh. So after that, we see Amaro f flying around in a Federation suit. Um, he meets up with uh, Frau. No, that's a plane, and that's a shoot. I'm sorry, I, I don't know why I put suit in there. He's because he's wearing his. Michael he's wearing Jackson. a Federation suit. Wearing a Federation suit. That's why I wrote that. I I wrote my notes poorly. I must have been tired. <laughs> I, mean, 
I, I call this his thriller suit. <laughs> um, so either way, he meets up with uh, Frau, who is now Frau Kobayashi, um, and Kotz and Letts and Kika. We're all a little bit older at this point, and uh, Frau is noticeably pregnant. So she has uh, made sweet, sweet love to our dear old friend Hayato. And she, I think she adopted uh, Kat's Lutz and Kika, right? Yeah. 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 And now something that the movies made me um, maybe note more consciously. You may have noticed that Lutz has changed ethnicities in Zeta Gundam. <laughs> I know you've mentioned it a few times, but uh, I, I never mm. noticed that. Whoops. They, I, they fix it in the movie. <laughs> so what, what is he, what, what is his ethnicity? I don't know, but he's just drawn as any other white guy. In well, the I think, I think Let's was the he's the middle one, right? Like the the one he in the original series he's wearing like uh, red overalls, and he's like the middle, yeah. not yeah. the tallest one. Yeah, but like dark skinned and freckled. Yeah, he okay. was definitely like not not white. Yeah, not a ginger. Yeah, and then you get to say to Gundam, and it's. Wait, he was a white kid? <laughs> no, yeah. he wasn't. So yeah, the movies also fix this. So that's that's good. So uh, Frau mentions that uh, th they're having some small talk, and Frau's basically like chastising Amaro for not getting laid anymore, uh, and basically says that he should get married to Sela because they had a thing, which is funny because in in the show they didn't have a thing at all really but in the in the books oh god in the books they, yeah they did oh man yeah there there's definitely some stuff from the books like i think they make a reference at one point uh about uh amaro like wanting to get back with sayla or something like that i don't know if it was, i think it was the next episode but uh that is referenced and wasn't really covered Heavily in the show. Yeah, that was this episode. That's where Frank was like, you had a thing with Sayla. Why don't you get back with her? They never hinted at him having a thing with Sayla in the show. And in fact, she always seemed way older than him in the show. She did. She seemed way more uh, in, in the book. Like, they're like the same very, age. And very like not even not even that she liked him, but like she kind of didn't like him. Yeah. Yeah, in the, in the book, they're the same age, and they are banging the entire book. Yeah, and their and, relationship isn't even very much different. But it's actually a, I, I just have to say, it's actually a really good description of what a, and you don't even recognize it as this when you're 19 or 18 or however old they are, but it's like a, it's a sexual relationship. And they think it's something more, but it's really not. And they're they don't just, know the difference. They're too they're, young. They're conveniently banging each other because they like yeah. each other enough to be around each other, but they're not really yeah. super emotionally invested. Way more of a physical attraction than anything. And I think that's why Amaro now is kind of like, eh, yeah. I mean, he's like, you know, you say this, Frau, but you should see the hookers that come through here. Like, Well, I mean, they didn't take everything from the book, obviously. Listen, I'm rich, okay? <laughs> yeah. You've seen these bitches. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's weird what they took from the book and what they didn't take from the book because, well, Amaro's here. Um, let's see. Um, 
So yeah, getting back to it, let's yeah. actually the one that asks Amaro, hey, why are you not at Jabro? And then Amaro, instead of answering him, writes it down. Yeah. So he he kind of mentions that he thinks his servants are Federation spies. Um, and and Kotz is very insistent on trying to get Amro to join um Karaba. Um and Amro hasn't even really heard of Karaba because he's kind of been cordoned off into his own area and he he says he's he's heard of Ayug and that's about the extent of his knowledge of so so they're really keeping him in a bubble on earth right so like he's able to get bits and pieces of of things here and there but he is very much uh under a watch um where he's at yeah this is just the their way of introducing his situation and explaining it and that, that's pretty much all it is. And then uh, Farrell mentions that they're going to Japan. It's funny here. They don't mention that time they went to Japan a couple years before this and had that running with Makuve's guys. I mean, I, it's, I'm so surprised. <laughs> story, that story didn't exist here. That'd be funny. <laughs> um, so Kotz sucks, uh, and he knows it. Kotz uh, even says it at one point as he's giving Amro a hard time, doesn't it suck being mocked by a kid like me? I'm like, yeah, it does, because you suck, Kotz. You suck. Um, so we learned that Amro is basically forced to stay in his mansion because the Federation believes he is a, quote, dangerous new type. Uh, so they don't really, like, it seems like he, there's a lot of research institutes out there still on the Federation and the Xeon side. Um, and they're not doing tests on Amro, but they know that he's dangerous. I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't understand the whole people believe in new types and people don't believe in new types, but yet you have like this tons of new types running around at this point um, doing their own thing. Um, but yeah, Kotz doesn't give a fuck about Amro's situation. He thinks he's a pussy just because he hasn't like risked his life to join Caraba, who he knew nothing about. I would correct you in the new type thought, but like we'll, we'll get into it. Like we'll get there in other episodes. Better opportunity to talk about what's up and going on in the world with, with new types. Well, I mean, you do see in multiple cases people say, "I don't even believe." Like I think Basque even said at one point, "He's like, I don't believe in this new type crap." Well, I mean, you have a lot of you know like regular actual ones out there, but what's sort of going on in the geopolitical landscape is that they're trying to just immediately, how do we use people with these abilities as weapons? And yeah. You could, that's where the research labs come in and they immediately, instead of jumping into, Oh yeah. How do we find new types and, you know, see how they can help. They're like, how do we just make them? Yeah. And we're going to run into that in the next few episodes. Um, Hayato and Char head to the Kennedy spaceport, which is, we learn is controlled by Caraba. Um, yeah. and I like then what, uh, I like what Shar says about the name Karaba here. What does he say? He says it sounds like a secret society, and he doesn't. Oh, like that's it. right. But, yeah. Um, and we see Kai deliver a letter to Hayato, and uh, I will read it for you because I I, I freeze framed through this and, and took the notes <laughs> down. It, it goes. The following is the translation of the page that we have to Hayato Kobayashi. It was nice to see you again. Do you know how many years have passed since I saw you last? How's your wife, Frau Bao, and kids? They saw 
should be happy with you. I wish I were you. Captain Quattro, he is Char. He should be becoming the leader, is satisfied with being mere soldier. I really don't like his attitude of escaping from reality. So I don't want to be with him. I'm going to gather the information. You got the ancient meme part of it wrong. It's he is a Char. That's what I said. He is a Char. No, you said he is Char. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I wrote it down as he is a Char. He is a Char. Yeah. <laughs> so if you if you are watching Zeta Gundam for the memes, which it, I think is the dumbest reason in the universe to watch any show, but you do you. If you are, this is really the only episode you need. <laughs> yep. Uh, so Hayato learns that Quattro is Char. Uh, learns it, quote unquote. No, uh, this is this is legit. Like Hayato, Hayato didn't know at this point. Did um, Did anyone else? I meant to mention this earlier. Did anyone else were they um, extremely dis like alarmed by how deep Hayato's voice was? Um, did you watch it in English? I did. Oh yeah, I just yeah. That's yeah. He like he like, he like stand, he like stands up all four foot eight of him like. Hello, I am Hayato. <laughs> like, oh my God. I actually made a note about it. Like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. Yeah, not. Oof. Yeah, some of the casting decisions. Oof. But now, one of the things he mentions, and I, I never picked up on this, but um, having now watched Double Zeta, he mentions that Caraba is going to be. They need to get out of the Kennedy Spaceport area, and they'll be going to Northern Europe. And I was like, oh, hey. They pick up on that in the next series. But anyway, I was like, yeah, didn't notice that foreshadowing before. Uh, so, yeah, anyway, moving on. Yeah, so Char is going to try to meet up with the Argama again. So they've kind of arranged on Earth. And I was like, all right, we got to go back up to the space now. We've dropped our shit off. We're going back. Um, and they only have a little bit of time. Um, and they learned that they might be using some of these old ghetto mobile suits that are in the Kennedy Space Museum. Uh, you see like Zaku 2s and gun gun cannons and stuff like that that are all hanging around. You're like, ah, these are blasts from the past. Um, Roberto is told that he has to leave his Rick Diaz behind, and he is not super happy about that. Um, no, that was Opoli. Roberto is rushing to adjust the Nemos for land use. Oh. Yeah, they look the same to me in a lot of cases. I know they look different, but they're interchangeable people. <laughs> um, Hayato tells merely quattro. I have, I have a quote of merely quattro, Vegina, to become the, a leader. He's telling, uh, Camille tells quattro that if he's a coward, if he's Char... Basically, they're confronting Char. They're cornering him. They're like, hey, you need to become a leader. You're Char. Um, He's, yeah, he says that uh, for now, I'm merely Quattro Vagina. Yeah. Um, and he refuses to acknowledge who he is. And Camille actually like punches him in the face. Um, he says, don't you realize that only humans have a heart that can feel shame? That's what Char says, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Don't you realize? <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
it's like some of these some of these quotes are just like overly dramatic. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, the now, but now this is the the Federation is on the way, right yep. at this point, and um, gets introduced to the Ashimar. Yep, a, a the really, NRX zero forty four. A really ugly fucking suit. Yeah, and I love it. Yep. So yeah, they they start fighting at at the Kennedy Space Station. Um, Opoly is basically going to pilot the space shuttle um, while Char and Camille launch a defensive battle to protect the shuttle as it launches. Um, we learn that the Earth's gravity is just too much for Char. Um, they're, they're doing pretty well, but um, they're vastly outnumbered. So again, this is a defensive battle just to like essentially hold the perimeter for long enough. Um, and like Scotty mentioned, we get to to see a an, another. This is our second transformable mobile armor, the NRX zero forty four Asimar, uh, and it is piloted by none other than Baran Blutark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, but yeah. So look, this is a very airborne suit. Made, yeah, like it's it's made for that like air combat and you've got char and camille and quad and uh, uh roberto they are in this defensive battle and roberto ends up eating it yep ashamar blows him up um and now another thing we mentioned uh the uh, federation blows up one of the two shuttles somehow it's not the one all the main characters are on <laughs> yeah it's fan hmm. funny how that happens all those other assholes are on that one and they're dead too yeah. Yeah. So I think they're the, this episode and the last episode have kind of, they've kind of started hinting more and more and more that um, AU is kind of outmatched with their suits right now. Right. Like they're getting their ass handed to them by uh, Baran Blutark. <laughs> so, I mean, we, we know at this point they need something in the future to be able to, to fight better. Yeah, well, and think about how quickly this has all gone for them. I'm sure they didn't expect their not, or like their attack on Jaburo to be like an hour and a half long ordeal. Yeah. Right? They probably thought minimum that might be the time we need to like breach a, a zone or something. Not, oh crap, it's over, and then having to turn right around and then try to, okay, all right, we've done our thing, dropping off the suits, let's get back. Oh, wait, we're still being pursued. Like, ah, ah, ah. Like they're yeah. a little bit in disarray at this point. Yeah. Yep. Um, so Apple uh, launches while he is um, crying the tears of time or whatever they are. <laughs> um, so uh, Camille jumps on the, the shoulders of the Hyakushiki and Char takes off. Uh, and this is a pretty cool scene. I like this. So, they're, they're trying to get to the uh, Asimar, which is chasing the shuttle as it's launching. Um, so yeah, sh they, they do some 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 pool moves here where they, like, they jump on, Hyakushiki launches up in the space, and then Camille uses that boost to launch even further. Um, and he gets close enough to where he can shoot at the Asimar. Um, and they, it, they manage to hit him and get him to move away. Um, uh, so Char and Camille managed to get back 
into the giant plane that they were on earlier, um, which is being piloted by Hayato now. Uh, and they are able to escape the Asimar's range. Um, Baran and his troops take over the Kennedy Space Center. Uh, and the name of the plane, by the way, is the Aldumla. Um, and we learn that, th that the Aldumla is headed towards Hickory. Uh, Apley makes it back to space with his spaceship. And the world now knows about the war due to the battle at Jaburo. And that is episode 13. All right. I can attempt to do this quick. We want to do the movie content rundown, or I can just save it until next episode and blow through these ones and the next little set. Go for it. All right. So new translation, movie number one. Your episode 11 content roughly starts at around 48 minutes. It actually is combined with some things from the end of episode 10 and the, you know, all the stuff where Bright's taking over the Argama. It, yeah, it's uh, about five minutes later, we have Amuro meeting Frau and the kids in Cheyenne on the landing field, uh, which might seem jarring as if you did what I did and watched these and then cut over to the movie to see what order things happened. It kind of works here moving that up a little bit um, because you know what they're doing isn't directly impacting anything yet. So yeah, might as well chuck that in a little bit sooner. So just, you know, things in a, in a little bit different order and then it will cut over to Shirako and the fed captain. Um, Fawn Camille arguing. Then again, the stuff with Cots confronting Amaro and Cheyenne. The only thing I really noted here is I think this may be one of those cases of adjusting something that was made for like a 60 Hertz television uh, over to that 24 frames a second movie uh, rate because some of the jitter here is on the old scenes is like nauseatingly bad. I, I don't get it. Like, it's just, it looks like a VHS tape and I need to adjust the tracking a little bit. It's weird. And it's like, it's a Blu-ray. So yeah. Anyway. Uh, so by 58 minutes, we are at the earth drop operation. Uh, there is, I'll, I'll just keep it short, but like there is some really nice new scenery as far as if you just want to watch some cool mobile suit action. Some of the new stuff is very, very, very well done. And then there'll be randomly be a few seconds of old footage. Yeah. My only issue with, with especially like the first movie, the later movies don't do it as bad. I get, I haven't even seen the third movie, but the first movie, the new scenes are super jarring. Yeah. Yeah, they really are. Um, so now in the movie, we haven't killed off Lila yet because we skipped that whole bunch of episodes with all the moon thing. That just doesn't even happen in, in the movie. So uh, we skipped all that. So we've got Lila going out. Um, as I mentioned, they kept the Zacrillo on the screen for whatever reason. But basically, they've inserted the whole thing here where Camille kills Lila. Um, they did so, obviously had to. They did some new animation with that. And then all of the other reentry stuff. It's just like other than the Camille and Lila stuff, this all plays out essentially as it does in the show, but a little bit faster. So now we are about eight minutes later and we are getting into the episode 12 stuff. Um, the real like only difference here again, other than the much quicker pacing is that Jared, when he's shooting at Camille when he's on his surfboard is like, where's Lila? He doesn't, he hasn't picked up, yet that she's dead. He's just, it was a chaotic reentry operation. 
he can't find her unit. He's yelling at Camille about it. Um, and right. Yeah. It, it just, that that's about all. And, and then when you get into their interior battle, it's when he realizes that Camille has killed Lila and that makes him ramp up the intensity. And then they have their whole thing with the floor collapsing and, and whatnot. Um, not, uh, you know, this part is not horribly truncated. Uh, the episode 12 content here starts at an hour and six, and then you get like, you know, to the end of that content is about an hour 17. So it cuts it in half, which is, yeah, it's not bad compared to what they do with a lot of stuff. Yeah, that's pretty good. But that Jabbero attack is very important to the overall plot. So you can't truncate too much of it. Now, right after this, though, we have Amaro and Kot stealing a freighter, which doesn't happen in the show until episode 14, which we're going <laughs> to cover next episode of our show. Um, they and this is also where uh, my note comes in that they remembered Let's isn't white. Um, <laughs> and then uh, in this one, they have Hayato to meet up with the main cast. He is going to the Garuda that they have escaped on, and he does like this midair parachute thing to get in there. I'm like, okay. Sure, we can do that. Um, there, the scene of um, so one of the things that they do in the show is like Kai and Hayato don't like Kai leaves him that letter, but Hayato is like surprised he kind of gets out of dodge so quickly without even saying hi. They change this in the movie. Um, there's an entirely new scene where Kai is like grabbing Hayato, like shoves him in a little comms room. You're like, all right, they're either going to make out or they got some secret stuff going on and it's secret stuff going on. Um, and this is where he's telling them all about, um, uh, uh, t- you know, like they talk about Quattro being Char, but there's no letter. The letter's not in the movie. It's not, sorry. They just mm-hmm. talk about it. And then uh, Kai is also explaining that he, um, this is actually, I think something that the movie does well. The show doesn't tell you what the hell Kai is doing. Uh, but Kai here explains to Hayato that, um, his job right now is to go look for Titans activity within the Federation. So he's, he has, he says he'll be going to the Sudari. I don't know what that is anyway. Um, so then you get into most of this episode 13 content, uh, where you've got them going to attack, but now you, they go ahead and introduce Rosamia here when they're going to attack the shuttle. Um, and then there's a lot of new animation and really by, like episode 13, like just so much of it gets cut out. It's about five minutes of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. About an hour 20 to hour 25. And then um, that's pretty much it. So the episode 14 stuff that we'll do on our next episode gets us to the end of the first movie. And um, you, ca- you kind of, if you've, you know, if you watched ahead in the show at this point, and I would never do what we're doing on this podcast, going back and forth with the show and movie, that doesn't make any sense just wanted to get the content in here. Um, like, yeah, if you know where the story is going, like you can kind of see when you get to this point in the movie, like, Oh, I see to speed this all up. They're going to like merge this battle and that battle. And it's all. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so if you haven't watched the movies yet, wait until next episode of new type flash. And then watch the first movie. First one, but really watch all of Zeta Gundam. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not. I'm not saying I actually then, watch the movies because, um, way way back when I was initially doing my initial watch through of Gundam, I was like, all right, I am just gonna skip through Zeta and watch the three movies, and I tried to do that. Oh my 
God, it made no sense. I didn't even watch the third movie. I still have to this day not yet watched the third movie. I'll, I'll probably watch it as part of this rewatch. Um, but man, it was it was confusing. Yeah, it's been a really long time since I've seen it, but I recall it being terrible. They're just it's it was one of those things that was made assuming everyone that would go into that theater to pay money and watch it had probably seen Zeta Gundam entirely too many times. Which is crazy because one of the movies came out while I was living in Japan and it was it was a big deal. They had like huge um like sides of buildings with like Camille's photo and stuff on them. I'm talking like 30, 40 foot like paintings and stuff like that. So, I mean, it was, it, it was pretty heavily marketed at the time and it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anything else for, for these uh, three? I got nothing. All right. Well, Thanks for listening. Check us out in uh, two more weeks. We'll do episodes 14 through 16. Till then, reach out to us on Twitter at NewTypeFlashPod or on our Reddit post on the Mobile Suit Gundam subreddit. Uh, until then, we will see you next time. <laughs>